What we want to look at this morning is every Sunday following Easter, we have so many new guests that come in, so many new people that tune in. They're listening by radio and they're listening by television. They're listening by FaceTime Live and all these uh, means that we're using to go out. We thank you guys. We welcome all of you uh, out there in the digital world. If you're watching right now, come on, Christian Embassy. Let's give them a big Christian Embassy welcome. We welcome you guys. We appreciate you so much for tuning in. But what we like to do is, is we like to take a little step back and give some theology, you know, because theology is not necessarily bad because it's the study of God and the ways of God. So get some theology on uh, the church and have a better understanding of God's design and God's plan for the church that we're all being a part of. So, you know, this day and age, it's such a, a popular thing that if you go out and eat at a restaurant or if you go and uh, have business with a company, that they send these surveys to you. And there's one thing called Survey Monkey, I think, or Monkey Survey. Uh, it must be free because I get a lot of those where people want me to do a survey on the services or the products that I'd had, uh, an experience I had, and it asks these questions. Well, I'm going to ask you a question following our Resurrection Sunday. Uh, should, you know, when it comes to the church, would you say yes or no? Does it really matter? The church, does it really matter, yes or no? And I pray before we leave here in the next few moments that you will definitely be leaning towards checking the yes, even if you're not right now, uh, because, you know, some people, the devil wants us to believe that everybody's against the church. Nobody wants to go to the church. Millennials don't go to the church. The church is dying out. The devil's always a liar, will always be a liar, and he's, and, and he's our adversary. So we must understand that and not believe and buy into his news because his news is not necessarily what's right. There was a report or survey that was done by the Barner Group in 2016 of April. So this is a, just a year, a year old survey that was done. And, uh, and they wanted to know how many Americans see themselves religious. How do they see themselves when it comes to religion? And in America, 73% of Americans identify themselves as Christian. And unashamedly so. They say, I checked the box. I am a Christian. I identify as a Christian. 20% said they had no faith. They had, they're just clueless. They had no faith. And then there were 6% of Americans who said they were either Islam or Buddhism or Judaism or Hinduism or, or some other religion that they checked off. And then 1% said they were unsure. I'd love to talk to that group, you know. They said, I don't know. I don't have a clue. Okay. And, uh, but 73% of Americans identified themselves as Christian. They had the choice to say I have no faith. They had the choice to say other. They had the choice to say not sure. But they chose to say, I identify as a Christian. And out of those 73% who identified themselves as Christian, 52% said being a Christian was very important to them. Wow! The devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. 52% said that going to church and being a part of a Christian, uh, of Christianity was very important to them. And 21% of them said it was somewhat important to them. There was another research done by Pew Research, a Pew Research, and Pew Research came up with this. They said they did this study and they found that 43 percent 
of people who said they went to church regularly, they attended weekly, 43% said they were happier. They were happier. Their family was better. Their work was better. Their life was better. They just were happier people, and they attended church weekly. And then they, they found out 31% who said they attended monthly were happier. And then 26% who attended church seldom said they were happy. And the other ones, they, well, they were off the chart in being depressed, okay? So let me tell you what. Here is Pew Research, which is not a Christian research organization, uh, independently doing this, found out that people are saying on these independent uh, uh, research uh, forms and surveys that they are much happier the more they attend church. Hallelujah! So you can put a smile in your life and you can be much happier by being here. So I'm just telling you, just go ahead and prophesy. I'm not going to be grouchy this week. Go ahead and prophesy. I'm not going to be grouchy this week. Go ahead and prophesy. You need to say it with your mouth. I'm not going to be short-tempered this week. I'm not going to be irritable this week. You need to say it so your spouse can hear you if you're married, okay? So we can have some accountability. I'm going to be happier this week. Why? You're here in the house of God. And if you want to be even happier, come to Wednesday night and your life is just going to really, really be joyful. Praise the Lord. There's another report that CNN even put out there. I'm amazed that they would even put this out. But CNN took this Harvard study that was published in the JAMA International Medicine Journal. And it says uh, this, that you live longer when you att attend church regularly. They did this study, and it wasn't for church attendance. That just happened to be part of one of the things they were studying in the group of 75,000 female nurses. And when they did this study, part of it came out, and they found that 33% lower risk of, of, of disease and, 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 and health, uh, debilitating and the things in health that would bring death uh, the, if people attended church more than once a week. So that means you got to come on Wednesday night. How many of you have ever been here on a Wednesday night before? How many of you didn't know we had a service on Wednesday night? Well, you do now. Come on out at 7 o'clock. We'd love to have you. But these out of these 75,000 female nurses, the ones who went to church more than once a week, 33% lower risk of death. Wow. And then it went on down to 26% lower risk of death if they attended church once a week. So if you're our Sunday, uh, Sunday morning crowd here today and you only come on Sunday morning, well, you got 20% less chance, lower risk of uh, dying early. Come on now. And then uh, it says less than weekly, 13%. And then for those who didn't attend, they said, go ahead and talk to your funeral director and get your life prepared. <laughs> Not really, but that's, uh, that's that independent study. And then they asked, uh, when this part came up, they, uh, the researcher says, they were asked, why do you think this? Why? From all the other things you did in this research, why? So here was their response. The researchers say, well, this regular attendance correlated with higher rates of support and optimism. They said it's something about the human being that when we are connected in a very positive environment that we tend to live longer. They found out also there were lower rates of depression because of that connection. That It's almost like what the enemy means to come in and bring depression. The devil gets defeated and that spirit of depression doesn't come in. They didn't say it that way. They said there was lower rates of sickness because of this regular attendance given this higher rate of support and optimism and less depression. Their, uh, their, not their metabolism, but their 
immunity was higher and there was less rates of sickness and they were less likely to smoke. So this is what the researchers are saying. And it promoted self-discipline. This self-discipline, it kind of transcended into their life and they had self-discipline in other areas uh, from their, their church attendance, attendance as a discipline. And then they said this, uh, promoted a sense of meaning and purpose in life. And I, I thought this last part was really neat. He says, and there seemed, can you imagine these, these secular researchers that's doing all this study, these 75,000 female nurses, they said, and there seems to be this factor that could not be measured, but it's obvious it's there, that they were touched by the divine or something supernatural. There was something going on here that we really can't measure it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Wow, I love it when secular folks have to come to the uh, agreement with God's way and God's plan is better. In 1900, a book came out. This uh, study was done through the state prison of Nor uh, uh, New York and it came out comparing these two men's lives, their family lineage, and they lived at the same time in the same region and, and, and this is one of the comparisons that the book found out. And they wanted to compare a life of Jonathan Edwards and uh, he's a devout Christian. He's unashamedly uh, promoting that I'm a Christian and as far as being my house, we're going to serve the Lord. So that's Jonathan Edwards compared to Max Jukes who says he was a devout atheist and he says, as far as being my house, there is no God and we're going to serve ourselves. And then they did a study through their lineage and here's what they found and recorded it in this book that with Jonathan Edwards, a devout Christian, there was what? One U.S. vice president, three senators, three governors, three mayors, 13 college presidents, 30 judges, 65 professors, 80 public office holders, 100 lawyers, 62 physicians, 75 military officers, and 100 clergymen, missionaries, and theological professors. Wow! What a lineage! I'm going to go ahead and say it right now. As far as being in my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Amen. But then there's Max Jukes here who says, as far as me and my house, we're not going to serve God. There is no God. We're atheists. There were seven murderers, 60 thieves, 128 prostitutes, 140 convicts, 280 indigents, 440 physically wrecked by drug abuse, especially alcohol, 300 died prematurely, 67 contracted syphilis, 300 died, uh, 310 of them died paupers, and of the 1,200 descendants, the estimated cost to the state of New York was $1.3 million that they cost the state rather than all of this other side contributing to that region. Wow. I'm here to tell you God's got a plan and if we align, align ourselves with the plan of God, we can go ahead and claim success. We can go ahead and claim victory because if God be for us, who can be against us? You need to make a decision right now that as far as it comes to God and His plan, I'm going to line up with God's plan. And, and don't be half-hearted about it. If you only attended church, just say once a month, just think about it. You know, here we have a systematic way of teaching the Word of God, and we're teaching our children, and we're teaching our youth, and, and, and you're only getting a, a portion, just a small percentage, and your children, whom you want to raise up to be, uh, you know, the, the successful uh, uh, ones that are contributing to the betterment of society rather than taken away from society. Let me tell you what. You need to have your children in the house of God. You need to have your children uh, seeing you worship God. 
Not doing a church thing, but doing a relationship thing with the Lord. Amen. In and through his church. See, it is God's plan for the church. Matthew 16 and 18, Jesus is responding uh, to Peter after Peter just gets this divine download. Who do men say that I am, Jesus asked. And Peter says, Thou art the, son, the Christ, the Son of the living God. And, and Jesus says, Peter, you know, you know, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father's just given you revelation. And here you are, a little stone, but upon this massive stone of what you've just said, I'm going to build my church. Upon this rock, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That means if you're a part of this church that Jesus is building, that the gates of hell is not going to win over you. It's not going to win over your family. You can go ahead and claim your children right now. You can go ahead and claim your grandchildren right now. You can go ahead and claim your great-grandchildren, your great-great-grandchildren, your great-great-great-great-grandchildren, great-great-great. Just take it right on down. That they're going to serve the Lord. That it's going to be a mighty move of God in and through my family because I'm going to be a part of the church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Praise God. I underline that word church as it comes from the Greek word ekklesia. And ekklesia is made up of a compound words, two Greek words, ek, which means uh, out of or from or away from. And kaleo is a verb meaning to call aloud, to invite, to call together for assembly, to assemble together. So ekklesia means to be called out as individuals to come together to form a group who have a specific purpose. It, it can be used in the secular world as well as the religious world. In the secular world, in the civil government, this word in the Greek was ekklesia, and among the Greek uh, government, it was a gathering of citizens who were called out of their homes, gathered together in a public place so that they could make rules, so that they could make rule to advance in a positive way. So the power, the exponential of them coming together. So they're called out of their individual homes into assembly and a public place. So here is Jesus using that word that all the Greek uh, audience, they understood it and he says, this is what I'm going to call the church, the ecclesia, the church and the gates of hell shall not come against it. I'm going to build this thing called the Christian church which is us called out of our individual homes into an assembly and a public place. We meet to get equipped to storm the gates of hell. Hallelujah! So we are a part of what God said He is building. Jesus is building the church. So you need to feel some work going on in you right now. Here you are part of the church. Jesus is building. He's the carpenter. He knows how to build. He's building you up for this week. He's building you up for the challenges you don't even know that are facing you, but you're going to be equipped to face them. You don't know the, the negative the devil's going to bring against you, but you're going to have the positive to outdo the negative because you're having it built up in you right now. Hallelujah. God has a plan, and that is that the gates of hell don't win against us, but that we advance His kingdom. I love what the Apostle Paul said as he's writing to this church in Philippi. And he says in Philippians 1 and 3, he says, I thank God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy. He says, you bring joy to me. This is happy prayers. And he says, the reason I have happy prayers, joyful prayers, is because of your fellowship in the gospel. That's what he says, I'm thanking God for, your fellowship in the gospel. comes from a Greek word, koinia. And that word koinia means partnership. And I got this uh, uh, back uh, 25 years ago. 
uh, literally partnership where it's, you have participation. So uh, 25 years ago, as I was studying this and we were planning this church, I said, you know what? There's nothing wrong with calling it church membership because we are members of the body of Christ. That's okay. But I'm just out of this scripture right here. I'm going to call it partnership. So in the beginning, I made a decision that we're going to, you know, instead of being a member of this church, which you are a member, but we're going to also call it partnership because of koinia, that it brought such joy by, to the Apostle Paul. And here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's saying that because of our fellowship or our koinia in the gospel, that we come together and we partner together to advance the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Praise God. So you and I, hear me, are called to belong, not just believe. The Lord has called us to belong, not just believe. Now, do y'all see my little uh, wordplay up here? Be, long, be, leave. Be, okay, you got it. Okay, so, so you're to belong. I know I'm corny, and, and you know, that's okay. But, you know, I am who I am. I am. I got my southern accent. I am who I am. You are who you are. And we're going to love each other through it, right? And we're going to laugh at each other's jokes sometimes, even if they're not funny, just to just kind of make them feel good. You ever laughed at somebody's joke and you didn't get it, but you just didn't want them to feel bad? So you do that. You, you, you just humor me. I appreciate it. I love you guys. We're family. Praise God. Hallelujah. Uh, God said in Genesis 2 and 18, it's not good that man be alone. So he didn't create us to be in isolation. So that's why one of the greatest punishments in prison is to put them in uh, you know, isolated confinement. You know, put them in uh, isolation is a great punishment because we were not designed by God to be isolated. Now I know, I know you say people are crazy crazy, people are, you know, people are crazy, people are stupid, people are whatever. Don't, stop, don't say what the devil says, because the devil's trying to get you to look at one or two or three or four or five or six or seven or eight or nine or ten really, really strange people, okay? We know we meet them out here. We, I saw one this morning when I looked in the mirror, you know, there's a strange person there, you know, so, so we, but let's don't, let's don't carry on the rhetoric of the devil because there's power in our words, you know, don't let a few strange people turn you against people, you know, we need each other, there is so much to be gained when we do that and I'll show that to you, it's just God's plan, the Bible says we're put together, we're joined together, we're built together, we're members together, we're heirs together, we're fitted together, we're held together, Together. We're caught up together. Did you know the rapture of the church is we're caught up together? So if you're isolated, what's going to happen? Uh-oh. Did you know Jesus isn't coming back for you? You say, wait a minute. Jesus is coming back for me. He said he's coming back for his church, a bride without spot or wrinkle. So what we want to do is be a part of the church. Amen? Because we're caught up together, the Bible tells us in Thessalonians. So if you're born again, you're not your own anymore. You have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And yes, that is personal, but God never intended for it to be private. So when someone says to me, wow, I worked side by side with this person for 10 years and now they're retiring and I found out that they're a Christian. I'm like, that's pretty sad that you've been there every day, five days a week. You didn't know they were a Christian, and they didn't tell you, and you didn't tell them. You know, this, we're not to be private in our walk with the Lord. Not only in sharing it with others, but sharing it with other brothers and sisters in the fellowship, the koinia that God has called us to. In Romans 12 and 5, the Bible says, it is in Christ that, that we who are many form one body. This is His plan. And each member belongs to all the others. 
So we are interconnected just like our fingers and our toes and our, and our joints and our bones and our vessels and our organs. All of it is a, is a, is a single member, but it has to be connected. I know we were praying for Sister Lynn when she was uh, getting the lung transplant and this lung come up out of state uh, from the donor. It only had a short amount of time with all of the expertise and with all of the preservation that they could do. They still had to rush it very quickly because it was separated from one body. And when it separated from the body, it wasn't designed to survive uh, separated from a body. So they get it there to where she is at and the doctors are quickly uh, uh, connecting it and, and inter interlinking it to her body so that life can come back into that organ. Well, in the same way, we can't allow the devil to, to amputate us or to separate us or cause us to pull out because let me tell you what, that's exactly what the devil wants because he knows then he can come in like a rushing, rushing storm and bring great destruction in our lives. So we need to see the importance of coming together and being a part of the body of Christ together. So that's why I'm going to give you now several reasons why we need to partner with a church family. I would say like Christian Embassy International Church because I love this place. And our kids love this place. You know, they get out of school here and, uh, and I'm like, where are the kids? I'm in my office. I have an office here and I have an office at my house. And I'm like, where are the kids? And they're like, they wanted to stay at the church. I said, well, they were there since seven something this morning. They just love the place and and I'm like wow so so you know Thursday there then they're here for praise and worship practice and and then it's like nine o'clock coming home uh and it's like you guys left here at seven this morning and and now nine o'clock they said dad we just love this place hallelujah when you're in a healthy wholesome uh, blessed place you can't help but feel at home right you can just come right in and relax and you're part of the family this is your house as it is the house of God so let me give you several reasons why we need to partner with a church family, I would say like Christian Embassy. First, a church family identifies you as a genuine believer. This is the plan of God. In John 13 and 35, it says, you love, Your love for one another will prove the world to the world that you are my disciples. So God has set it up that one of the ways that He's going to reach the world with His love and with His forgiveness and with His message is through the testimony of our lives being lived together. So we have to come together and because you, it's easy to love somebody you're never around. It's easy to love somebody that you never have to talk to. It's easy to love somebody you never have to see, but that's not true love. True love is when you get in the trenches together of life and where you have to offer some forgiveness because maybe they said something they shouldn't have said or maybe they did something they shouldn't have done or, or failed to do something you had expected them to do. And you got to grow together, agape love, where there's forgiveness and there's an offer of mercy and grace as God gives us His mercy and grace. And that can only be demonstrated when we are together. So, so we must come together. And just like God made man and woman that a man can't have a baby himself and a woman can't have a baby all by herself, that they have to come together in the same way the church, in order for it to grow and expand, it has to do life together. So here we are worshiping God together. Somebody may have cut you off in the parking lot. Forgive them. Somebody may have taken your seat. It wasn't your seat anyway. Come on now. And pretend this is your house. Pretend this is your house. And if you had a guest come into your house and they sat in your chair, would you kick them out? 
No, you'd go sit in that chair you never sat in. You'll feel so weird because you never sat there to eat dinner. But because the guests took your seat, uh, that happened to us recently. We had a meeting in the conference room, and, and uh, we always like to have our guests come up and sit there and look out of the window and the columns and see things coming and going out there. And, um, and they, I opened the door for them, and they walked in the conference room, and they go to my chair. My Bible's there, my iPad's there, my water's there. Everything's there, but they go and move it aside, and they sit at my chair. Now, my chair is strategically set so that I can be there to show them the, the, uh, the pr presentation that I had. Everything was planned out. But I, instead of saying, get out of my chair, I let them stay in my chair, and I went ahead and changed the presentation order and all that so that we could accommodate it because they were our guests. Well, let me tell you what, we need to stretch beyond our selfish little limitations. Come on now, somebody say amen. And that leads me right to my second one. We need a church family because it moves you out of self-centered isolation. Self-centered isolation. See, the local church is the classroom for learning on how to get along with God's family. And did you know there's some, there's some, there's some unique people in the world? And there's some really unique people in God's family. You ever met them? Come on, have you ever been them? I mean, they're unique. That's a nice way of saying, you know, other things. They're unique. Okay. But we've got to learn to get along and, and, and care about one another and, and share in each other's experiences. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 12, 26, it says, if one part of the body suffers, all the other parts suffer with it. Or if one part of our body is honored, all the other parts uh, it, it, it's honored. So we, we must be in regular contact with ordinary, immature, growing believers so that we can learn real fellowship. So that we can experience the New Testament truth of being connected and dependent on each other. See, biblical fellowship is being committed to each other as we are to Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible says. You know, we know John 3, 16 very well. God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son. But 1 John 3, 16 tells us a different verse, you know. And He says here, Jesus Christ laid down His life for us. Now, last Sunday, we, we celebrated Him laying down His life for us. And then on the third day, He rose from the dead. Hallelujah! But look at the second part of this verse. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. So he says we've got to follow the example of Jesus and we can't do that in self-centered isolation. We need each other. We need to help each other. We need to come alongside and let God use us to be strength one for another. Which goes to my third point. A church family helps you develop spiritual muscle. How many of you got stuff that's uh, 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 really loose on your body and you wish it was a lot tighter? Okay, you don't have to raise your hand because you may show it off. You know, <laughs> okay, we, we want to tighten up. We want to get our strength back. You know, when you have more muscle uh, built upon your body, it helps with your metabolism. It helps with uh, your insulin use. It helps with everything, your energy, your strength. You're, you're getting your oxygen to and from all the cells in your body. Uh, so, so exercise and building strength is very, very important. See, see, you will never grow to maturity just by attending a service and being a passive spectator, okay? Only participation in the full life of the church will build spiritual muscle in your life. If you went to the Y 
or Planet One, Fitness One, or whatever they're called now. They're all over the place. And you just went in there and sat in a chair and just watched everybody on the treadmill and watched everybody on the, uh, you know, the elliptical machine and watched everybody on the weight machines and all this stuff. And you just sat there. Do you think that's going to help your strength any? Not at all. You've got to participate. And that's what God's called us to do, is to participate in the life of his body, of his uh, organism. It's not an, it has an organization about it, but we're ultimately an organism. We're a living body, the body of Christ. In Ephesians 4 and 16, uh, we just saw this here, how important it is uh, to fulfill the love of God in each part, doing it what it was created to do. In the New Testament alone, there are over 50. I, I got up to 50 and I'm like, wow, there are over 50 one another's or each other's. I mean, the Bible says we need to pray for each other, encourage one another, admonish one another, greet each other, serve one another, teach each other, honor each other, accept each other, bear each other's burdens, forgive each other, submit to one another. It just goes on and on over 50 times. Sounds like God's plan is for us to be connected. It's biblical membership or that koinia, that partnership. But let me tell you what, isolation breeds deceitfulness. Boy, the more you, you pull away from the body of Christ, the more open you are to believe, start believing the lies of the devil. And let me tell you what, he's lying all the time. He's lying all the time. He said, ah, oh, they don't love you there. Ah, oh, you're not important there. Ah, oh, you're not needed there. Ah, oh, this and that and the other. He'll, he'll lie. He's a liar. That's all he can do. He's a father of lies. Why in the world we want to listen to a liar? Why do we want to listen to a liar? Believe you me, though, when you pull away from the church, you will find that your ear becomes more sensitive to hear what he is saying in his lies. There's another, <coughs> excuse me, there's another reason why we need to partner with the church, and is that because it positions you with greater power. See, God is the God of the exponential. He came up with the exponential. One of you can put 1,000 to flight. Two of you can put 10,000 to flight. Deuteronomy 32 and 30, he shows us this, this exponential, but exponential can never happen unless there's unity. So we've got to come together, not just to sit there divided, but we've got to actually unite together. We've got to come under a mission. And I think that's why God, one of the reasons God gives local churches in, in every region so that we can have a mission and a vision. So we come together and unite. And we're going we're to advance the kingdom of God together here. And when we do that, we activate the exponential, which brings this great uh, re return of power in our lives. Uh, you know, I had this mathematician from the university run these numbers of this 10, uh, 1 in 10, and when he got up to 20, he says, Pastor, he says, I can't go, I'm not going any further because I don't think anybody will understand. And I said, why is that? He said, well, I'm up to 20, and that 20 of us united together with this exponential, it already takes it up to 10 septillion. He says, and really and truly, you can't even imagine septillion, and especially 10 septillion. So let me just stop there, and we'll save ourselves a lot of paper. I said, agreed, agreed. Wow, what an exponential. So when I, we pray together, there's greater power. When we come together for a mission, it's greater power. When we pull our funds together to build a ministry center, there's greater power. When we pull our funds together to support missionaries across the world, there's more power. Let me tell you what, when we pull ourselves together in our confession, there's greater power. When we pull ourselves to say we're going to advance the kingdom of God and come against the gates of hell, there's greater power. When we come together and say we're going to win the law, for Jesus Christ, there's greater power. Hallelujah. 
We need each other. We need that in our lives. And then the fifth and final reason I'm going to give you this morning is that we need a church like this to partner with is because it helps keep you on the right path to discovering and fulfilling God's plan for your life. You are created with a purpose and destiny, each and every one of us. God specifically tells us in His Word, you are not an accident. I have a plan for you. I have a purpose for your life. Your life is, you're here on purpose. You had nothing to do to get yourself here, so you just as well sober up to the fact that God has brought you here in 2017. You are living for purpose. He has a plan for your life. And, and sometimes one of the greatest frustrations is not knowing what that plan is, what that purpose is. Well, God has created and anointed and ordained and filled with His Spirit the, the ministry of, a, of His church that when we come in koinia and partnership with His church, that, that, that life of purpose flows into us and while we're being equipped, the Spirit of God gives us clarity as to the next step. You may not see the whole plan, but the next step in moving towards the fulfillment of your purpose and destiny. Now get this, not one of us are immune to temptation. Given the right situation, each and every one of us is capable of sin. Each and every one of us is capable of having the sabotage and the strategy of the enemy derail us, get us off track, cause us to delay or to uh, pull away from the call of God or the purpose of God in our lives. In Hebrews 3 and 13, he says, Encourage one another daily, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. He's telling us that Satan is at his work, and his work is so deceitful that if we try to live this Christian life by ourselves, we're going to be deceived. We're going to be deceived, and we're going to become hard and not even realize it. He says we need each other speaking encouragement and, and ministry into our lives to help us not be caught off guard by what the enemy does. I know a lot of people, especially in America, they say, mind your own business. But you know, that's not a Christian phrase. That's not a Christian phrase. We are called by God as brothers and sisters to come together and to encourage each other and be a part of helping each of us fulfill the business God has called us to. And I'm not talking about an organizational business, which it may be part of that, but the business of life, the business of the calling of God on our lives. And the Bible tells us that if we know someone who's wavering, that we need to go after them. Then James 5 and 19 says, if you know people who have wandered off from God's truth, don't write them off. Go after them. Get them back. Because the devil's trying to derail them. Don't just say, okay, you derailed or you detoured or you got off of, of, the, of the caravan that was going up the interstate of God's plan for life and you got off on a detour, bump you. No! Go and reach and see if you can bring light back to where darkness has deceived them and help them get back on path. I know we as pastors, it's such a calling, such a, a burden, and it's not a negative burden, it's a burden though, uh, that we carry of a responsibility that we, we are overseers over your spiritual lives, that we pray, we intercede, we care about where you're going to end up, we care about you fulfilling your destiny and purpose. 
The Bible says in Hebrews 13 and 17, their work is to watch over your souls and they know they are accountable to God. What a responsibility. Now let me tell you, Satan loves detached believers. That is one of his favorites. Those who are unplugged from the life in the body of Christ, those who are isolated from God's family, those who are unaccountable to spiritual leaders, he says, yippee! Hot diggity dog. He loves it. He loves it when folks pull away because he knows that you're defenseless and you're powerless against his tactics. You've seen enough wildlife uh, wildlife of the animals and so forth, uh, Discovery Channel and things, when one gets out of the pack, how the, how the hyenas or how the, the predator come in and they look for that one that's out of the pack, that lone ranger, and they say, dinner tonight, dinner tonight. And uh, I've, seen, I've seen giraffes come together and fight lions. I've seen uh, 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 other animals, uh, herd animals, come together and, and fight these predators that, that, that could take them down. But because they came together as a group, they were able to run the predator off. We need each other. And I believe the same as it is in the natural world is in the spiritual world that you and I were born again needing the family of God. Just like when you were born in the physical, what if somebody just set you out? Like Wilma sat Fred Flintstone outside the door. Okay, what if somebody just set you out and there you had to live? And maybe they fed you, they brought you food, you had your nutrition, and, and you had the oxygen to breathe. But let me tell you what, God also created you for relationship. And there you are. Pastor Radica tells the story of how their underground church in Romania, how they would go uh, in stealth mode into the orphanages. And, uh, and they wouldn't go at the front door and say, we come in the name of Jesus Christ, or they wouldn't have let them in. But they just went there to go and hold those orphans, those uh, Romanian orphans in the orphanage. And these children had not been touched, maybe just to change their clothes once a day or just food thrown at them. And there they were, arrested development and retardation. And, 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 and they were, you know, four, five, six years old, couldn't even speak because no one, I mean, they weren't, they, we weren't created to be like that. Yes, you're born into the natural family, but you need to be a part of a real family for the nourishment and the nurture and the growth. And, and that's just so important. The same is true when we're born again. When you're born again and we just sit you outside and say you got the Bible and you got the Holy Ghost, that's all you need. Let me tell you what, there's going to be arrested development. And there's going to be a retardation in the development of your life in Christ. So when we're born again, yes, we're born into the universal family of God, but we're also called to be a part of the local family of God. That's why the New Testament, all the letters are written to local churches. That's why when John is caught up into heaven and Jesus says, dictate, take dictation and his seven letters, and I want you to take them back to seven local churches. It's like God's plan in the beginning and God's plan in the end of it all was going to happen in the church age through the local church. So we need to be a part of the family of God. How important that is. So I just I come to you and I ask the question as I did in the beginning with my survey. Is church yes or no? 
Yes or no? Which one are you going to check? Is this going to be a, a, a vital part of your life? Or are you going to be like Jonathan Edwards and say, as far as me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Unashamedly, we're going to serve the Lord. And then you've got the generations of generations that I gave you of those that are very positive contributors to society to help make America great. Let me tell you what. Or are you going to be like uh, uh, Jukes, Max Jukes who said, I'm a devout atheist and I'm, as far as me and my house, we're not going to serve the Lord. And there he has $1.3 million deficit to the state of New York and all of those murderers and drunkards and prostitutes and, and thieves and, and all the premature death and all that was in his list. Which one? Which one are you going to choose? I would say when it comes to church and church partnership, does it really matter? I would say yes, absolutely it does. And I encourage you not only this morning, I know it may seem I'm preaching to the choir, but I know when you leave here, Satan's going to be trying everything in his power to come with a lie, with deceit, and with anything he can to keep you from coming back, to keep you out there isolated, to keep you in a place where he can more easily come against you and your family. And I'm saying today, you need to do what Jonathan Edwards did. You need to do what I did. And you need to do what many of us have done today. You need to say, as far as me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord and we're going to serve the Lord God's way. And God's way is in a local church. We're going to be a committed. We're going to be a partner. But we're going to be a, a, a vital aspect of contributing to the advancement of the betterment and the and advancement of the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. And I just encourage you to make this truth, this theological uh, 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 presentation that I have made today uh, from the Word of God of how important the local church is in your life. And you say, well, I'm here this morning and, and, and you know, I, I like the church and, and you know, I don't know how to start. Where do I start? Well, the first place you start, you've got to be born again you got to be born again. You say, well, I don't know how. Am I born again? Well, if you've got a question, you need to deal with that right now. And maybe you say, well, I'm not born again. Well, we can deal with that right now. Did you know that cross that we've been talking about, the carpenter took two pieces of wood and he built a bridge that reconnects man to God? Hallelujah. That there's reconciliation between man and God through Jesus Christ. That if you will place your faith and what Jesus has done for you, that you, you can be born again. Hallelujah. And, and how you say, well, how can I be born again? You know, all you got to do is pray a prayer very similar to this. I, I encourage us all. Let's pray it together. So everybody just join with me. Say, Father God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I thank you for loving me so much that you sent your only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I believe, I confess, Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. I surrender to You, Jesus. I give You my past. I give You my present. I give You my future. I yield my life to You. From this moment on, I am here to serve you. For you are Lord and you are Savior. Because I believe that God has raised you from the dead. You are alive. And now you live in me. Holy Spirit of God, come fill me with your presence, 
with your power, with your anointing, with your wisdom. Fill me to overflowing that I might be effective in advancing the kingdom of God. For it is in Jesus' name I pray. Come on, give yourselves a big hand clap. Hallelujah. The Bible says that if you confess Jesus Christ as Lord of your life and believe God is raised Him from the dead, you are saved. Hallelujah.